0: We're back with another episode of the Australian Athletic Podcast. Adam, we're sticking to this weekly gig, mate.
1: We're getting up there.
0: Two in a row consistency. Well, there was too much going on in the world of sport, especially in the world of football, to not do one. So let's start with the World Cup. Did you watch it?
1: Not live. I got up and rewatched it because I had a Sunday that went from no beers to surprisingly many beers. So I rewatched it. What was it yesterday morning? but I have seen it, yeah.
0: I watched it live, and I've got to admit, I regretted every single second of it <laughs> yesterday. Not regretted, but... At least you did
1: that. The last game I got up really early for, like, off my normal schedule, was the US-England game, and Gareth Southgate owes me 90 minutes that I'm never getting back.
0: <laughs> That's what you get for believing in England.
1: Don't, uh, don't get with the palm. Don't do it.
0: Happier with the final result?
1: Yeah, I've always been a big Messi fan, so I think it's hard not. I think even if you know, I think people binarize this stupid Ronaldo versus Messi as if you can't like them both. Thing I find it hard, like you might not like certain things Messi does mm-hmm. on the field sometimes, the way he holds himself, meh, like say against the Netherlands, I get it, but I think it's it's you'd be pretty hard. It'd be a really hard sell to turn around and say Messi doesn't deserve everything that he's achieved. Especially now to have the final piece that he didn't have.
0: I was biased towards Ronaldo, as we all know. Going for Manchester United. But now I can honestly admit, Messi is the more accomplished player.
1: In terms of... If we get rid of the people who did catastrophically bad things. Because there have been footballers who have done incredibly bad things. that landed them in prison and shit. But if you take just like the minor stuff... I can't think of somebody who's had a more catastrophic six months in football than Ronaldo, at least for a very long time, especially someone who's so obsessed with their own legacy. For Ronaldo twice, with the, once with the national team, once with Man United, to try and burn his own legacy to the ground, and then for Messi to go win the World Cup and perform like that along the way, especially in the final, that I think Cristiano would be sitting there spewing.
0: Where's so, he going to play now?
1: I don't know. I don't think he's going to end up playing in the Middle East. I think someone else will come in for him, but I don't think there's probably as many suitors as is being, being made out. I think he's isolated himself from a lot of the big clubs in that most big European clubs press in some way or another. He's made it crystal clear that he's got no interest in pressing. So that eliminates a lot of the teams. And there's also not that many that can afford to pay him what he wants to be paid. So I think when you take the cross-section of teams that play in a way that can have him in the team, and teams that have the money there's not many left so I think he might have made it difficult for himself
0: I don't think his career is done but it's certainly going to be hard to find a home that's got quality football otherwise it's going to be a payday that he's searching
1: well I mean he'll get a big payday it depends what he wants if he still wants to play top level European football there might have to be some uh, tough conversations that I'm not convinced his ego is willing to have but If he just wants to cruise off into the sunset, I'm sure you know Beckham into Miami or whatever team he's running over there, Mm -hmm. Miami FC or whatever it is, they'll pay him the earth. And Al Al Saad is it was it the the Saudi 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 team was it the Middle Eastern team anyway offered him all of the money that the sun shines on. So he'll get paid if he wants. But if he wants to play top level football, then I don't think there's a big list of teams that are in for him.
0: Yeah. Great final to watch, and there's a lot more going on in the world of football in the next few weeks, leading out of the World Cup.
1: Incredible advert for the game. That's, that's everything you want from a final. Because I think especially what I'm surprised hasn't come up more is that the last final involved one of the worst displays of refereeing I've ever seen in the way the Croatians were screwed to the wall by the opening penalty, which then led to the opening goal when France won it when VAR was still very new. And that was an absolute fiasco where I think it took them 15 minutes to award a penalty that never should have been awarded and all of that. Where this one was refereed well. It was a beautiful advert for the game. Both teams played really good football. It was
0: managed well. The balls on the French coach to take off Giroud and Dembele. 40
1: minutes, yeah. It's it's really interesting because I I follow on social media a few sort of analytics types and they've been clamoring for years as a whole sort of industry that. Substitutions don't happen often enough And they happen too late when they do happen So Credit to Deschamps for having the balls To hook players Because you're not going to have a fun conversation Especially they lost You go into the dressing room after losing a World Cup final And you've got two players who hate your guts Because you took them off in Like it's an affront to take someone off in the first half Traditionally And to do it to two guys But I mean
0: Two out of your three best strikers
1: well Benzema's is out injured you take Giroud off you know it's it's a ballsy call but Deschamps has shown that he's, he's not scared of that
0: until about the 81st minute I think they were probably thinking they made the wrong, wrong choice what a game so exactly that's how it goes could have uh, gone the other way as well if uh, Hugo well no who was it um, Argentina's keeper didn't save it at the end Martinez yeah
1: yeah that was um, I don't think he's getting enough credit for that but
0: uh, he had a bit of fun also at the presentations <laughs> <so. laughs> I love that so much uh, need, boys will be boys we All <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking about the positive stuff now let's get on to the unfortunate stuff first of all with the A-League announcing the next three fin- grand finals to be held in Sydney your thoughts on that firstly
1: it's dumb but I think it's so evidently dumb that everything I could possibly add to that has already been said like I think it's The reasons are obvious, and people like the thing that I—the thing that annoys me actually as much as the original decision—is the same as what we heard when Qatar got the World Cup. Oh my God, I can't. Why would they get the World Cup? What do you mean, why? There's one big glowing reason why they got it. Like that much is fucking obvious. Like, duh. So, people who are surprised by corruption in football have never been around football, like even at a watching TV level. So, the reasons are obvious. The reasons are dumb. It is what it is. The reaction from the overwhelming majority of supporters has been great. Let's do our thing and protest and whatever else. I think Craig Goodwin particularly handled it really well.
0: Yeah. Professionally.
1: Uh, Especially when the A-League or the FFA or whoever it was that put the post out tried to stitch him up by using a completely out-of-context clip to make it look like he supported the decision.
0: It was him and also one of the W-League players as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Or the A-League women's now. Yeah, I'm not
1: sure where she stands on it, but I mean... I know that obviously everyone now knows that Craig was not in favour of the decision because he posted as much, but um, I think it was a very dodgy attempt by the A-Leagues and the FFA, I think it's now the FA, but to capitalise on our success in the World Cup, which is really dumb, when they would have known behind closed doors that taking it to Sydney wasn't going to be a popular decision. They might have been surprised by the the ferocity of the reaction. But anyone with half a brain cell could have told you that there would be a broadly negative public reaction. And to do that, I think they've tried to go, oh, well, the World Cup will take enough heat for us. I think they were really naive and really dumb because I think, in my opinion, this reaction was very inevitable. Um, And then I think they've tried to double down on using the World Cup feel-good factor by then, of all people, using Craig. And then he's completely turned it on them kind of thing. So I think it was a, two really naive kind of decisions. Now, if there seems to be an element where they knew there was going to be a backlash and they didn't really care, and that's fine. That's
0: if they, they were prepared for some backlash, but they weren't prepared for what happened on Friday night?
1: Personally, I'm, maybe this is contrarian. I don't think what happened on Friday night is about the finals. I think... For a long time, I'm 28. I've been following the A League since I was probably 14 or 15. There's always been a, s- admittedly very small group of supporters, but there's always been a small group of Australian supporters who've watched too many reruns of Green Street Hooligans on Netflix and think that's the life they live. And they want their, they, they're appealed to the, the gangster life, and they think they're tough and shit, and they can't go learn to fight properly, so they want to go do it at the football with the trolley pole and then they get something like this pop up which is massively negative and I think in the same way the FFA tried to use the World Cup feel good factor they've gone the opposite and they've tried to use the negativity around the finals being announced in Sydney and then they've gone oh we can do whatever we want I think there's a lot of bullshit being spouted in sort of all directions about you know Glover throwing the flare into the crowd and for the videos I've seen, it's not clear whether it goes into the crowd or not. What is clear is that he's not trying to throw it into the crowd. He might have flicked it too hard and accidentally put it in the front row. He's trying to put it between the hoarding and the stand wall, which is generally what everybody does with flares when they throw them off the field.
0: I think it's just instinctive what he did, but it also comes down to a lack of education probably towards the players by the league themselves. In Europe, if I'm not mistaken, players are not allowed to touch the flares. If they come into the pitch.
1: Uh, you still seem to do it, but normally they, they throw it a lot more gently than he did. Because if he was trying to lob that into the crowd, he would have turned, fronted up, and lobbed it into the crowd. Yeah. He's not going to backhand it kind of casually like that. I think it's probably stuck to the glove. Because last time I saw someone throw a flare off the field, it was an outfield and they didn't have gloves on. So it might have just stuck to the glove and flicked harder than he expected. Glover meant it to. So... You know, and then it's a shit show from there because we're lucky in Australia that we don't have a history of crowd problems anywhere near the extent of, say, the Europeans and the Brits and all of that. So then we're massively under-equipped to deal with it, and you see the reactions of security and Tom himself and all of that. Everyone kind of handled it badly from there out, and then we've got a, the complete shit show that has unraveled on our hands.
0: For fans to go out and attack players, it's just unacceptable it's just we've seen what happened in Indonesia and thank god that didn't happen here but you just don't run out I don't care if a flare has been thrown at you you threw a flare on the pitch even if it comes back out you do not run out into that field
1: yeah so I think for a long time in Australia we've been too blase with people getting on the field with streakers in general um I think you see that with the reactions when any time a player goes for a streaker, like when the the NRO player, I forget who it was, tackled a streaker and like drilled that guy. That's hilarious. When Andrew Simons flattened that bloke years ago. All of that, people go, oh, you shouldn't do that. They're just streaking. It's like, nah, for me, I'm not saying anybody else has to agree with me, but my personal take is they're in their workplace. I think we we have this weird thing, and it's not just Australia, it's all over the place, but where we think athletes are these hyper. Um, we treat them differently to everybody else we think they're robots and we think they live such a privileged life because they get to play sport for money and I think people don't realise what goes into being a professional athlete they don't realise that life is often harder than most jobs so then we go oh streakers is fine no it's not because you don't have someone run up to you in your workplace in a manner anything like a streaker especially while you're trying to perform a job which is so public and your failures are so obvious and magnified so when you've got streakers at very best in favour of them it's it's very distracting and that's why you see the reaction a lot of them is like can you just get the fuck off the field kind of thing then when we're putting them in active danger like happened to Tom Glover but like when Buddy Franklin kicked that goal last year there's however many thousand people on the field like that's a catastrophic failure of security that can't keep happening and we expect people to be safe because it doesn't even have to be malicious it's just someone trips in, gets stood on, bang you can't get help in, you can't get help out you can't get players out, you can't get people in to help the players out I think in Australia we're so blase about that type of stuff that there really needs to be a conversation because clearly we can't continue to be this blase and I think there's a generation of people say my parents age that are like oh no, it's fine, not my parents think this but oh it's fine, that never happens here until it does and that's what, that's what happened on the weekend. People go, oh, it's like, there's no football violence in this country. It's like, hey, there's that group I mentioned before of wannabe Green Street hooligan types who think they can do the football riots and shit. And then it's fine until something goes down. And now you've got Tom with stitches in his head and shit because some morons tried to hit him with a bin.
0: And stadium security can only be good at stopping people from bringing shit in at the gate it's easy to sneak something in well there was a
1: flare bin they hit him with so they need those in like it's a perfectly reasonable item that was in the ground yeah because there was obviously flares there and that's fine you gotta put them somewhere you can't just hang on to them but then
0: what if it was a knife not a bin e-
1: exactly and that was you know that's what I would, where I, would, where I would, like the Buddy Franklin thing and that that's certainly not the only time that's happened in footy when Matthew Lloyd kicked his 100th goal and when Dunstall did it you know that's been happening for decades it's never a problem until it's a major problem and what happens when one of these athletes? like we we talk about athlete wellness in this industry athlete wellness probably involves them not being stabbed on the field or not being hit by a flare bin
0: or like, not having the fear of it potentially happening either
1: yeah you know and there is precedent for this in other places in the world and none of it's good so it's gonna be something that's worth um addressing. we're very
0: safe in australia Anywhere else, though?
1: We live such a blessed life that people can be blasé about shit like that. In Portugal, a couple of years ago, there were a bunch of ultras assaulted Sporting Lisbon's training ground and injured a bunch of players, which led to the players cancelling their contracts. Like, that's where this goes if you don't check that shit, you know what I mean? So, they have to make a, a very, very concerted effort, and I think that's where the FA in this country have a track record of not being able to organise a piss-up in a brewery but how they handle this now is very very important
0: I can see a few games in a row worst fans aren't alone in the stadiums
1: I think yeah Melbourne victory probably have to be hit very hard because I Glover mean,
0: definitely has to have some repercussions but it can't be I yeah think- I don't
1: think Tom handled, his, handled himself particularly well but that's not a criticism of him that's just it's easy in hindsight to be like well you do it differently because yeah. I'm not saying I would have handled it any better. Because he's probably looked up and gone, oh, there's two dickheads, whatever, i got this. And then all of a sudden, there's 50 of them, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. That's a very different proposition. So, in hindsight, you'd handle it differently. But I think, yeah, the way the A-League and the FA handle this is is going to be pretty touchy because it has to be done exactly right.
0: Football still has a bright future in Australia and in South Australia, but we can't rely on the World Cup once every four years to inspire the next generation. doesn't well, work.
1: Unfortunately, there is still a lot of people with an agenda against football in this country, and I'm not going to get into that because it, I can't change that. It doesn't matter. It, that That is the reality. Unfortunately, incidents like what happened on the weekend don't
0: help the cause.
1: Set it back decades at a time because... The AFL has an obvious axe to grind with football. The NRL has an obvious axe to grind. A lot of people just don't like football and have an axe to grind. So all of a sudden you give all these people quite good ammunition as well. You know, when the old criticisms were it's boring, that's a very different conversation to be having rather than crowd violence is endemic in this sport and we don't want it in this country because that's now actually a reasonable point of view to take. I don't agree, but it's all too easy for them to be like, well, look at this, this happened. And that hasn't happened in the footy, the cricket, the rugby
0: the stigma of hooliganism just got proven a correct tough, unfortunately a
1: lingering shadow and then when you shine a spotlight on it like that
0: and once again it's not the majority it's a small but minority it's but damn it makes headlines
1: half a dozen dickheads and then another 40 odd followers you know what I mean but that's how it goes
0: it only takes 50 dumbasses to pull thousands of parents away from sending their kids to play football
1: correct exactly right and you know now those kids are going to go play cricket or something else so let's hope it's baseball if it's baseball that's good go play baseball kids. But you know
0: what this actually might benefit AAC <laughs> in the long run play
1: baseball and football
0: <laughs> Now nah, I'm sure football has a bright future ahead but th- incidents like that just can't happen and I think everybody needs to sit back learn then,
1: if they handle it right it's a beautiful opportunity to say you know we're not going to stand for that and here's how we handle it and all that yeah. but cynically I don't have a lot of faith in the FA or the A leagues to handle anything so
0: what's this space Maybe we'll be chatting about it in the next podcast, which is hopefully a week away. It'll be a week away. Merry Christmas to everyone, if you're listening. If you don't hear from us next week, then Happy New Year, and we'll be back with another Australian Athletic Podcast in 2023. See you guys.